But as we do every time, uh, every uh, every Saturday at around about this time, it is time for the tight five. The tight five. Right, I don't think I need to be reminded uh, how this works. I don't think we've heard from Thomas this afternoon yet. That's very remiss of me not to bring you into the show last hour. Thomas, how are you? Yeah, Piney, I'm well. No, I was just finding my feet under the desk, easing into it. Good. This is because this is your this is your first show back for the new year. Yeah, it is. I was one of the rare producers and um, Juno's in the building that actually got quite a bit of time off. Uh, Jason, so I'm pretty feeling refreshed. Or I should be feeling refreshed, although you're never as um, fit and rearing to go as you'd like, are you? Now it always takes, I find, a couple of shows to ease back into it. See, the I think the uh, the uh, recipe for disaster though would have been if you and Martin had both started back on the same day. Oh, that would have been right. chaos. That would have been, <laughs> that, that, you know, because yeah, just one little slip up in that first show back, and I would have been just absolutely copying it. So it it's been. not. It's nice to just you know get the training wheels out again and feel my way through first week, first weekend, Jason. So no, looking forward to it. All right, so the Type 5 is when we uh, discuss five sporting topics, pertinent issues of the day. We speak about each of them for 60 seconds. So, um, well, let's, uh, let's kick it off, shall we? Shall I ask you the first question, or would you like to go first? No, 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 you just fire away with all yours. All right, well, the first question I have for you in the Type 5, is this the best New Zealand Test cricket side of all time? Mm, well, look, I'll only temper that, uh, Jason. We had Stephen Fleming on the show about this time last year, just before we went to Australia, and he said the exact same thing. This is the best New Zealand cricket side of all time, and we know what happened. I, I kind of agree with the talkback callers. Like, you've got to win away from home to be considered an absolute great side. Yes, most test teams win at home. We haven't done that that much outside of the subcontinent for me. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to temper that also with the ability to do that because, as I outlined at the top of the last hour, we haven't really had the opportunity to go to these places on any sort of regular basis and and try and do those sorts of things. We haven't been to England to play Test cricket since 2015. Yeah, That's an awfully long time ago. There's, there's guys in this in this team who have never toured the West Indies. They, we haven't been there since 2014. Who you know, Some of them haven't been to the subcontinent very often, if at all. So, look, I, I would love to say... I mean, OK, put it this way. I think they're the, they're the best New Zealand home test side of all time. Yeah, I, I think, think we can probably say that. Yeah, that's fair enough. The other thing that which I think is quite promising, um, Piney, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. We look a better side than we were 12 months ago. We look kind of like we've developed a little bit in terms of not so much our mentality, but I kind of feel like our players feel really comf- confident in their skins at the moment. Um, maybe we said that this time last year, but yeah, I think if we went back to Australia now, you wouldn't see the same result, basically. That's no, I, t- to I totally agree. And there was a good point made last hour by one of our callers who said there's no way that we would go back there now with the lack of preparation that we had. Do you remember last year we played England in those two, was the year before, it was back into 2019. We played England in those two test matches, and then basically the players didn't get to Australia for the start of that that test series until I think a week before the first test and the preparation or lack of it was a massive part of yeah, the reason never, why no they just didn't get a crack at it they had um, a practice in Perth on those hard pitches today and Correct. I think they admitted that was a mistake yep. although you know we always knew that we would probably actually lose that first one it was going to be the second and third where we'd hope to try and even the keel so to speak and it just yeah there was a lot of things that kind of just didn't look right look very un-New Zealand last year 17 players in those three tests as well we used mm. 17 I mean, it's just, you know... Well, we the, opened the bowling with Colin de Gronholm in the third test. Terrible. Yeah, and, and Lockie Ferguson, I remember, I know we're going past the 60 seconds by quite some distance here, no but, worries. you know, we're all keen to see Lockie Ferguson in test matches, and unfortunately, Vimy broke down after 11 overs in that first test, and that was it. That's right. 
Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're a little bit on the fence as far as uh, the best New Zealand test side of all time is concerned. Number two, question number two, Australia v India uh, into the third day of the third test, uh, locked up at one all after the first two. India three for 132, chasing Aussies 330-odd. Who wins this test series? Look, yesterday uh, when Labashane and Smith were in, I said Australia will win this series uh, 3-1 and looked like they were going to do it easily. I don't know now, um, Jason. What, what, India are quite evenly poised. I mean, they've lost Rahane this morning, but my understanding is if Australia win this Test Series comfortably, and I think the series is play out as we expect, then we'll be in Lords in the Test Championship in June next year. It'll be us versus Australia. But if India can draw the series, then it looks like it'll be Australia-India. Is that, does that sound right to you? Look, I I've, have um, read the different permutations and combinations of this until my eyes have crossed, and <laughs> I think it's probably easier to explain the theory of relativity than it is to explain what has to happen for New Zealand to make the final of the, the Test Championship. Uh, I I think, I think... It's best for I think it's best for New Zealand if India just continue to lose. Yes, that's right. So by that methodology, you'd want them to lose the series. So and so we want Australia to win today. Whether or not they, well, you know, it's hard well, to go test, past Australia with that bowling attack for me. It's always hard to um, bet against them. Four best bowlers yeah. in the world, four of the best. India look okay. I mean, obviously, Coley's gone home to be there for the birth of his child, so not having him is a massive loss for India, given, you know, just what sort of batter, batter he is. But, um, I mean, they look comfortable enough. And I was actually quite impressed with the way India came back against Australia in that first innings, because what were they? They were they were 230, 232 for three, I think they were. And, and um, you know, they've pulled it back to pick up, you know, seven for 106. It's a pretty good effort by India to pull that back, you know? Yeah, Jadeja being the star of the show, he's an amazing cricketer. And remember back to the Cricket World Cup semi-final last year, he very nearly took that semi-final away from us, remember? He was the only one that was timing right. anything. That's and right, all of a yeah. sudden, they went from a chaser needing 120 to about 30. And we were like, yeah, he's an amazing cricket anyway. All right, let's move to basketball. Stephen Adams, we're going to talk to uh, to our beat reporter in New Orleans at some stage this hour. But what have you made of his uh, move to the Pelicans? Have you kept an eye on Stephen Adams in the NBA this year? Yeah, a little bit, um, Jason. It's it's not an easy time, I think, to watch basketball when there's not a lot of people around the office and it kind of feels like cricket season. But it seemed... It, I wasn't sure about it at first because it felt like a, a backward step to a worse team, but it seems like his role was a bit, a bit more prominent, like he's getting the ball more and he's getting asked to do a bit more. It's probably quite an exciting move for him. What do you think? I actually think I've been watching quite a bit of NBA because my son has become an NBA devotee over the last sort of six months or so. And uh, we got him NBA Pass for Christmas. Yes. Uh, that's so when you can watch every single game because if you're just watching it on the Sky platform on ESPN you're just watching one game right but but NBA Pass allows you to watch any game you want multiple games so yeah when Stephen Adams has been playing for the Pelicans we've had a look at it I've been really impressed with him and I think the numbers bear that out because we had his first ever triple double the other day yes. albeit in a losing game against his his former side but he's he's leading he's leading the Pelicans in rebounds which isn't surprising but he's also you know he's leading the Pelicans in field goal shooting percentage which Did you see that which would never have happened at OKC, never. you know? Like, he was never, never even afforded that responsibility, really. Exactly. I'm quite so, sceptical. Yeah. I was quite sceptical of his last probably two seasons at uh, OKC because he just actually didn't seem to kick on, really. He didn't get any better. But this is quite exciting for him. Yeah, and you were right. The coach, whose name um, slips my mind, but the Pelicans coach said basically we're a good side when he's on the court. 
pretty average side when we're not. So that sort of says something as well. It does indeed, yeah. We'll keep an eye on Stephen Adams and, and say I think they're underway against the Charlotte Hornets in about 10 minutes. So we'll keep an eye on that and also speak to our beat reporter. Let's go to the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, they play tonight against the MacArthur Bulls. One game into a brand new season. It's always hard to, to make an assessment. But as far as expectations are concerned for the Wellington Phoenix this A-League season, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, I'm, I feel like the A-League really, they need crowds back. I feel like it's quite underwhelming and lot you know lots of kind of have they got crowds back Jason I don't think they yes, have yes they have yes they have they yes. have okay yes. yep look it feels like last game that slipped under the radar they the season really needs to get going but in regards to the Phoenix where I'm kind of uh, a little bit optimistic is that the new striker that's come in has replaced Gary Hooper who was also a, a marquee signing but didn't really take off I don't think for the Phoenix so if this new striker is better than uh, Hooper I think we could be a better side than last year what do you think yeah, look, I think the losses of the players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought Hooper was actually was reasonably good near the end. I mean, he contributed eight goals, which is, uh, you know, if you can get an eight goal striker in the A League, um, and he wasn't even at, even the Phoenix's top scorer with Davila getting those goals, then you know you're you're on the right track. I think yeah, if if Hamid comes as advertised, and his credentials are probably as good, if not better, than than Hooper's, and if they can cover the loss of Kakachi in particular, and to a lesser extent Taylor and Steinman. Uh, Neil, I think you know. I think we can be fairly optimistic. Every other team in the A League pretty much has also had uh, departures. So yeah, I'd I'd love to see them get a win tonight, just to get you know, just to get, get things going. Rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely. always hard. Against, it's always hard when you play the defending champions first up. But you, uh, sorry, the Phoenix always play well against Sydney and did for periods last week. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see them win tonight and then and then kick on it really from puts here. The pressure on if you lose two in yeah, a row, doesn't it? Exactly. So. And finally, while you've been away, I know you've been uh, been getting up to the things that young people get up to, but and that typically doesn't involve what you, what reading. You, what are you trying to say, Jason? Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I I just wish my 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 mind and body were still able to get involved you. in that sort of thing. Uh, you know, concerts and uh, and late nights and things like that. I'm I'm more a, a, a sit around with a good book kind of person. Speaking Nothing of which, did you read any good any good books over the summer? Funnily enough, I actually went to concerts and I read a couple of books as well. Yeah, I read Jurgen Klopp's um, autobiography biography of his sort of career before arriving at Liverpool, which I found fascinating. And I'm nearly finished Eddie Hearn's uh, sort of guide to success or, or basically how he transformed matchroom boxing. So which Good quite enjoyed that one. What about Excellent. yourself? Yeah, I've, um, I've been ploughing into a couple. The one I really enjoyed was um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the uh, the creator of Nike. Uh, I, well, I actually think your old producer might have... Um, Put that all over Facebook. He sort of plugged that he was right into that. So yeah, I, the, the, the reason he got it is because I sent it to him. Um, oh, well, I, left, I read, left those details out. <laughs> he did. Yeah. No, I read the book. I thought you know it like this, Sam Hewitt. So I sent it to Sam. But uh, no, a fascinating insight into the the birth and the development and the eventual success of the Nike brand. Uh, Phil Knight, uh, I understand, has been during his during the early days of Nike and pretty much through until he he you know kind of. Uh, was well established as just this mega brand. Didn't really give a lot of interviews. Didn't you know there wasn't a lot written about him. But he writes this book. It's autobiographical, so he writes it in the first yes. person. I found it fascinating, fascinating, and just the number of setbacks that he had to overcome in order to build Nike. I think it's, there's so many lessons in there uh, around you know bouncing back from misfortune, from the brink of disaster, both financial and and philosophical. I, I just thought it was a great read. Yeah, that's the bit they reference. I think he. Even says in the book that Nike never would have existed if he'd uh, succeeded with his first project or whatever it was. It was all all those failures sort of shaped um, where he went with Nike, I, I believe. 
Absolutely right. Yeah, now it's worth a look. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. All right, that's a tight one. Can't be serious, man. Always right. You cannot be serious. Never wrong. The Devlin Radio Show on News Talk ZB.